Hi guys, welcome back. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by A Life of Education. Alifeofeducation.com is the UAE's only dedicated health and fitness education website delivering health and fitness content to fitness professionals and enthusiasts from a variety of sections of the health and fitness world. With talks and lectures in areas of nutrition, anatomy and physiology, sports medicine, female development, yoga, pilates, strength conditioning, and the business of fitness, and a bunch more to be added in the future. Allo's mission is to bring leading experts from around the world of health and fitness together on one platform to share their knowledge and expertise on a global scale. So um, a lot of the courses that Allo are going to have are going to be just dedicated to teaching fitness people, but also just the general public, teaching them from kind of experts in each individual field. So there'll be people talking about kind of gait and how to run and how to identify the abnormalities of gait. Um, anatomy, physiology courses to teaching you the bones, ligaments, joints, muscles, where they go, what they do, uh, what movements they cause. Um, nutrition, Ben Coomer from the UK is uh, going to feature a nutrition course, uh, his body type nutrition, which is a, one of the best sellers in the UK at the moment. There's going to be a whole heap of stuff there, basically. Uh, how your body adapts to stress. Um, kind of floor to core, how your core reacts to different surfaces and, and floor stability, how you get your stability from the floor and how your brain understands where your body is from the floor and it activates the core to offer the stabilization. There's going to be loads there. The, the side is hoping to launch in uh, May this year. So, if, But if you get over to the website now, there is competitions there to win a Fitbit Ionic, uh, which is a brand new piece of kit from uh, Fitbit's uh, kind of latest release of their from their uh, technology of of wearable tech. Um, this episode of the podcast is myself and Matt. We uh, it's been a while since we've done one, so we just decided, look, let's just put time aside. So early early this morning, we sat down and just caught up on everything, sort of, and just. Ended up just going off on tangents and just talking about different things from what we're doing now, what we've got in the future, uh, Matt talking about physiology, talking about aging, talking about injuries. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll get on with it, I suppose. Um, this is just myself and Matt. And Matt just sitting here, uh, chilling, just hanging out, just gonna have a chat and see what's been happening. It's been quite a while since we've done one, so we wanted to just get one out there, get one in in the bag again. Um, everybody's just been quite busy. January coming back, uh, obviously New Year's resolutions and all those fun things. The gym scene has been quite busy. Behind the scenes, been quite busy. What about what have you been doing, Matt? What have you been up to? Yeah, way busier now than I was in January. I think it's different out here because you people travel a lot in this part of the world so a lot of my clients only sort of start coming back mid-jan whereas now everybody's back and now everybody's sort of kick-starting things now it's february which was like the complete opposite back in the uk where it was like january's packed february see it like everybody's gone so yeah no it's been good been doing a lot more teaching a lot more coaching what are you teaching just uh like personal training courses now so training our future competition <laughs> Making sure, giving them like slipping in some wrong info, some uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the knee. No, that's the elbow. Say elbow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what do you? Who do you teach? Like, who are they? What, what, what's this? What's the student like? They are just kind of gym instructors or people who are interested in fitness. Like, they train a lot themselves, or they sort of have a bit of experience training their friends, and they want to just formalize it a bit more and do it as a either as a way of progressing in their career or as like a side gig, really. Um, but from all walks of life, we've, we've had a, a couple of Russians, a few Indian lads, a lot of Filipino girls, and then a few sort of Lebanese and you know people from everywhere really. Um, but they're all sort of keen, keen bunch. They're all there, like eight hours a day, sort of learning it, and they've really, got a yeah. big old online sort of thing to do as well. So it's cool to be a part of. It's cool to teach. So when you do that, when you start the course, you do the whole. Okay, guys, going to introduce yourself, say a bit about you and why you're here. What's the 
My name is Keith. I'm from Dublin, and I'm, I'm here because what? What are they like? What's the what's the link between people stopping there or wanting to take it up as a side gig? Like, why would someone do it? What's their motivation? What do they say? Just tired of office work. I think people are just tired of sitting in a box and staring at a screen all day, and then they sort of feel it, right? They sort of get the aches and pains. Maybe they're a bit stressed out or whatever else, and they're like, uh, I just kind of want to do something more. Like, what am I passionate about? Yeah. And I think that's a, a route for a lot of people in that sense into the fitness industry. A lot of people do it as their kind of second career or as their little side hustle that is something that they genuinely enjoy doing rather than, say, doing the job that they just kind of fell into or went into because the money was good back when they were in their 20s. But, um, yeah, and then you get a few who have, have been in the game the whole lives, but they just want to progress a bit further. Maybe they've been to the, the receptions at gym oh, or yeah, like okay. gym instructors cool. at gyms and... They're like, do you know what? I can do this. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Those people are the people who. Uh, it's. Like, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like in a military environment, you have the the private soldiers who work their way through all ranks. Yeah. And eventually, in their old age, become an officer. Or you have the guys who come in straight in from the graduate program and they come in as the officer level. Yeah. Like, there's a lot to be said for people who have started right at the bottom on the reception or as the part, I started as a part-time evening fitness instructor before a few years before I went back to college. So picking up weights, I've experienced that. Cleaning the toilets. Yeah, clean the treadmills. Every hour I've experienced that. Yeah, clean the treadmills, I've done that. That's, that's the better route to go through though because you learn kind of the sales aspect. Like if you're on the reception and they're trying to sell a membership before you even have any sort of skin in the game regarding like your own commission or whatever else. Mm. Do you know, like you can get pretty good at just cold selling people coming in and giving tours and speaking to people. And then when you start backing that up with some actual knowledge of yeah. how they can train better, you know, that's a, that's a nice little mix. Yeah, it's interesting because the sales thing is the, is the quiet hidden side of the fitness industry. Like you can be all the... Like we found, you can be have all this sports science geeky knowledge. This is how you test for bloody whatever ketones in your blood. Mm. But like, all right, how do I pay rent at the end of the month? I need someone to to pay me money. How do I get them to pay me money? I need to know sales. Um, that's something that nobody prepared me for because that was that. That's the learn the hard way, sink or swim. But um, yeah, I think when you're when you're forced to step climb the ladder not even climb the ladder because it's not like a case of you don't start in the reception because you want to be the gym owner you start in yeah. the reception because that's your option at the time and then you kind of move on oh, i've got a new option new option um, and a lot of people do end up doing that like I, I i seem to remember a few of the guys at fitness first who went up to quite a high level and when you look at their linkedin profiles you see that they they started off yeah gym reception or something like that you know yeah i remember a buddy of mine he, he did it at mcdonald's like back when we were at school we sort of took the piss out of him because he was just there flipping burgers and we're like, oh man, you've just fallen into the archetypal sort of dead end job. But you know, the dude was running the region within five years. So he went from burger flipper to front of house to manager of that chain and he worked his way up. And yeah, those big companies, they'll look after you if they know you've come from that sort of place because you know the business inside out yeah. from every level. Yeah, I worked at Virgin Active in, uh, in Twickenham not actually it was actually in the Sunbury branch but uh the guy the general manager I can't remember his name but he was he was everything all the way through and he was in his mid to late 20s maybe 25 27 somewhere there and everybody hated him <laughs> everybody hated him but I didn't uh I didn't uh care too much because I wasn't really invested in it um but when You'd speak to him. He's got the gift. He's got the chat. He's no. He knows what he's doing. Like he can talk to everybody in the club, the members, the sales team. But uh, yeah, he's probably known them all at every step of the way. You know? Yeah, and he's done it all. So he could speak. Look, you need to do this better. Yeah. Turn to the reception. You need to do that better. I've done it all. I know. What you, I know what I'm doing. Pretty sure the CEO of McDonald's came from like the reception as well. That's amazing. I seem, I seem to remember him saying that. I was watching some Bloomberg interview with him on it, and he's like, yeah, yeah, and I was flipping burgers when I first started. Yeah, that's it. So there's a lot to be said then for those people who are starting out at the bottom of the chain um, in what you're teaching. When you're teaching them, what are they asking? Like, well, what's the... How long have you been doing it for? This is, Well, I mean, I've been teaching now for about two years, obviously, first with Cybex, now sort of part of Life Fitness and all that. Um, but then also as... Uh, as as far as like the PT shit goes, 
yeah, as far as that stuff goes, only the last sort of few months. But I've been observing a lot of courses with people like Active IQ and things. Um, and it, it, the hardest bit tends to be trying to get them to think about why they would do certain things. Because it's it, just the way the course is structured, it's very much a nuts and bolts. Like here is yeah. like a set, here's a rep, here's how like different configurations of how you might manage that. So like pyramid sets or like drop sets and things. So you're learning about the tools like you would, I guess, like this is a hammer and this is a saw. But like it's then trying to bridge the gap between, okay, well, this is a saw or like this is a pyramid set. How would you use that in the most efficient way? Like why would you use that? That's the bit that people get stuck on because there's that constant searching for a so right just, answer. So well, just what is a pyramid set? Just yeah, So the idea of like you start off with, say, four reps and then you go up to six reps on the next set and then eight uh, reps on the next one and then so on and so forth. Um, so that would be called like an ascending pyramid and then a descending one. You're going like 10 reps, eight reps, six reps, four reps. And then obviously the full pyramid is the two. Uh, and we're learning about like eccentric training and all this sort of stuff. So it's, yeah, there, there, there's that constant need for a right answer. Yeah, yeah, there isn't one in the fitness industry. You can do whatever you want. So yeah. long as you have like a justification in it, you know, a sound, uh, yeah. physiological or biomechanical reason. And that that's sometimes tough to get. That's that's where the confusion comes, I think. Yeah, that comes, I think, when you teach, when you're on it. I was on a course for neurophys, neurophysiology stuff. And uh, a lot of the girls in the, in the group were very much like, so when this, what happens then? When I get this and this and this, then what, then what do I do? And it's like, well, what's you have to what you have to stop because it's not a a plus b plus c equals d. It's what's d, what's d? What's the goal? What's the what's the primary objective here? What are you trying to achieve? And then, okay, now how can we get there? Do you know? Like, not all right. If someone's because they were a lot of this stuff was testing right brain, left brain function, and um, if there's a decrease in brain function, then you might see this. So they were all very much like, where does this fit in my current processing of knowledge? Like, what, what part of the chain does this thing? It's like, well, well, hold on, you need to you need to step way, way back and look at it. I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly, but it, it, it when people are learning, I think the way I would learn is like block in the next block, then the next block, build on the, the last yeah. bit, and it follows the, 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 the structure and the pathway. But um, when it's all built on a sandy kind of unstable service like you might see this in one person but when you see the same thing in another person it might not be the same thing yeah well because it's like particularly when it comes to that sort of stuff like the brain it's just such a ridiculously complicated similar to nutrition thing. like you know well some, so let's take an easier one maybe someone can relate is nutrition like somebody might uh somebody might do really well on uh breakfast yeah do you know but that someone else might not do well. Uh, they might be better off completely cutting it out. So you someone presents it, you go, look, one friend at work has breakfast every day, the other friend doesn't. They both argue about how good it is, what is the right way. It's like, there is no right way. Yeah, that last Saturday on the course, that was all nutrition and there was a lot of stuff coming that way. Because I was explaining that I've been doing like intermittent fasting now for about a year and a half. But then there's always that, well, hold on a second. I thought breakfast was like the most important meal of the day. Like, what's that about? And it's like, well, yeah, it can be. Do you know, it depends what you're doing the rest of the day. Like, you could answer every question with just, it depends. Which is really frustrating when you're so learning. So difficult for people. You just want to know, yeah. like, what is the right answer? Like, what, yeah. how do I be a trainer? It's like, man, you just got to get in there and you got to experience it. Because it's just, it's too complicated. And we don't have the minds or the language to be able to express kind of like multiple, th like, concepts interlinking at the same time at once. And then know? they could all be different, even though they're linked that could like, be very like you've got some weird genetic defect yeah. or something that makes it completely uh you know asinine or whatever else like the classic example is uh like coffee so i always bring this up as the example um you, you have sort of, there's a gene two variations of a gene that more or less determines how quickly or slowly you metabolize coffee if you have the fast version of the gene you know you get this kind of big caffeine rush um you metabolize like the antioxidants rapidly and then it, you get it out of your system straight away. In which case you can then argue, well, coffee's perhaps a good thing. Like you get the antioxidants, you don't get that much of a caffeine hit, so you're fine. But then the other version is like you metabolize it slowly. And I hope I'm getting this right. But um, it takes a long time for you to, to get the antioxidants, kind of all the good stuff out. 
but then all the while you're having this kind of sustained caffeine hit that's probably going to cause you to crash in about two seconds so then somebody comes up to you and like knowing that or sorry with you knowing that and they ask you is coffee good for me and you're like <laughs> like i have no idea <laughs> is it I, I don't know yeah let's define you first before we can figure out if coffee is appropriate for you yeah you had like gluten sensitivity and all the different foods and all the different minerals yeah. and like oh man like but people don't have time to sit we have time because it's our job and we sit we talk like this and we we do reading when we see an article online we might read we might allocate an extra 10 minutes to it rather than somebody who's trying to figure out economical situation in a different country for their daily life but those people don't have time they need like not the people on your course the, the, the general public they need to know just tell me what it is tell me what to yeah. eat i don't care it's not priority but i need it so give me it in like i need a house i don't know how to i don't care for knowing how to build it someone build me a house yeah, and i'll live in it yeah just yeah, I'm you, like that with finances. Like I, I have no interest in learning about finances, but I'm like, just somebody tell me how I'm supposed to invest or what's the right way. Yeah. It's like, man, it depends. I'm like, ah, oh, this stop. is exactly how I sound. Yeah. <laughs> when somebody asks me about like physiology or something. Oh, it depends. Kind of depends. Like, what are you in? Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's so difficult. And uh, sometimes, like, your position would change as well. Like, I remember telling people, it came from a lack of knowledge, but I remember telling people when we were talking about nutrition, in my old way way back in my old life in ireland talking about oh like, i didn't have a clue what i was talking about but i would sit there being pretty sure i knew what i was talking about yeah but now just with the years under my belt of, of reading and learning and experiencing now it's like oh if anybody remembers what i said to them now they'll be like 100 uh, you told me to do this and i'm like yeah i didn't that's know that's exactly what i was telling the guys in the course is like you can't afford to be arrogant in this because it's i've been schooled so many times over the years and i think that's that's like it's kind of the cliche saying isn't it that uh, uh the problem with the world is that it, it sounds a bit harsh but the problem with the world is that uh, stupid people are so certain of themselves and the wisest of people are so full of doubts or something and I always remember reading that years ago, and I was like, ah, that's kind of pissed. Say it again. Stupid. Say it again. I can't remember who said it. And there's probably been different variations over the years, but it's uh, the problem with the world is that the stupid people or ignorant people are so certain of themselves, whereas the wisest people are so full of doubts. Um, not to even suggest that we're in any way sort of wise, like getting wiser, hopefully, but the point is, is that, that that means a lot more. 10 years of being in the fitness industry, like 10 years down the line than it did when I first read it like 10 years ago because I've been schooled so many times on things that I've gotten wrong and like being grilled by like post-grad supervisors or mentors or whatever else, like almost made to look silly to the point where I'm now, I'm so hesitant to give any rock solid sort of piece of advice. Like I, I won't tell anybody this is the way you should do it. I always, they, I think, or it seems to be the case or maybe the research suggests and then I'd always try and expand on it a bit so it doesn't sound like I'm giving like a certain piece of advice. Yeah. Whereas when you, when I was first starting, I was like, nah, you, sh you should always lift weights slowly or always lift weights fast <clears throat> or you should always do this. Do you know, things like always and yeah. never are in your speech a lot more. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, eh, maybe, do you know. So you should always never give accurate yeah. advice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, should, you should never say always. You should yeah. always never say always. Always never say always. Yeah. Um, fair enough. So saying then, what have you learned about fitness stuff that you've forgotten? Oh, that I've forgotten? From doing this course. Like, what have you gone? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, like all of the, the classifications of lever systems. I never really learned that stuff. I, I kind of knew it, but I've, I've never been in a situation where it's like, ah, yeah, that's really important for me to know that this is a class two lever system. Do you know? Yeah, sort of. So just, can you remember them now? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't remember the classes, but just to sort of explain a little bit the differences, like if you took the elbow, and the elbow is just like a normal hinge, isn't it? Just a, I would, yeah. I would, I would guess, someone would probably look this up, but I could guess that it's just like a simple hinge. Well, it's not a true hinge joint, right? Because you can. Yeah, it's a... Well, the elbow itself is a true hinge. The actual this is another one. If you ask, it's like the classifications of different joints. The, the, I completely well, that, forgot what a condyloid joint. Yeah, was. The, the, a classification of joints is a very anatomical, uh, worldly thing because you're talking about. Firstly, it's 
it's anatomical language. It's not class one, class two, class three. It's like a synovial, like the knee is a hinge joint, mm. but it's actually a synovial bicondylar joint. So synovial means that it's a movable joint there's synovial fluid there's synovial membrane so the the difference between a synovial joint and another joint would be a fused joint that's like the bones in your skull yeah so the bones in your skull are uh they're simple fused joints they don't move they're just when you're younger they but used there's to a be, technical name for that yeah so we're embarrassing ourselves now it's there's there's oh i can't remember what the thing is what the actual technique is. but then there's a the next one is like a slightly movable movable joint which is like a fibrocartilage um, I don't want to say diathroidal joint, but where like it's the, the two bones, like your, your SI between your pelvis and your sacrum, or rather between your, your hip bone and your sacrum, your tailbone, those joints slightly move, but they don't really move. And then at the front, at the bottom of the skeleton, where you have your two pubic bones, the, the pubic symphysis is a slight, like there's a little bit of give, but it doesn't hinge, it doesn't move. But then going back to the hinge joint, like your finger is a true hinge. It only bends one way and then the other. Yeah. The actual elbow joint where the, where the ulna and the humerus meet is a true hinge. But the, the elbow joint as a whole is also, a, it rotates. Your palm goes down, your palm goes up. So there's a, that's a different, that's a, a radio ulna joint. The, the only th- bit of all of that stuff that I found really useful in like a, let's say like on the day-to-day job is understanding that if a, if like a joint has more degrees of movement, then you can bet, okay, this is supposed to be mobile. Whereas if a joint has a limited range of movement, okay, this is something that I need to stabilize. Mm-hmm. That's been the only sort of right yeah. useful thing. Like, so the, the shoulder, the shoulder and the I hip, need to yeah. do whatever I can to keep that moving. Or something like the knee that has a limited range. Or the range. hip, the hip, which is yeah. another ball and socket, just like the shoulder. Yeah, and then something like the knee, right, I need to stabilize the hell out of this. Yeah, you know, that's been like the useful thing of knowing those sorts of. Uh, the knee is a pretty. The knee is a pretty particular joint because uh, it's just simply two bones sitting on top of each other in a really like the top of your tibia is very flat, and the end of your femur has two big ball, two big curved surfaces like two big condyles, like your your standard kind of Mickey Mouse Pluto shaped bone, straight shaft, and then two big circles. So it's really the two bones don't even go together it's not yeah. like the hip where you've got a ball in a socket or you got two hinges at your finger where you've got two bones that move just one way so when you straighten your knee it only bends forward and back but sorry when you straighten your knee it doesn't bend, it doesn't rotate but as soon as you bend your knee you can turn your toe and you can turn your toe out so the knee is a really it takes a lot of force it's got like the majority of your body weight going through each side um it's an absolute freak of a of a joint in reality but yeah it's like you said the hip and the shoulder are two very comparable things they're both uh ball and socket joints from sort of when i don't know what we were human before homo sapiens or homo erectus when we were like quadrupedal animals you know it was just four very stable hinges and then the more we stood up the more the hip took more of the weight and the shoulder had to start hanging from trees and stuff so the shoulder needed to move. So you've now got two ball and socket joints genetically, but one is built for movement, less stability, which is your shoulder, and the other is your is your hip, um, which is stable but less movement. But, but that, that that's slowly kind of evolving now as well, I think. So, like the the vast majority of my clients now are probably more rehab based than anything else, I would say, or at least they start off wanting. They, they've come in not wanting to necessarily rehab, but after like a quick movement assessment, they're like, man, like I yeah. suck. Like, and now it's yeah. become like a, they, I've now almost turned them into a rehab sort of client because they haven't realized just how stiff and tight. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah that's why they have lower back pain. It's like, okay, well let's try and resolve yeah. this. But one of the things that I've seen loads of recently is a fused lumbar and uh, pelvic bone sort of situation. I can't remember what the, the proper fancy name is. That's going to bug me now. Fused as in like... Literally the, the part of their lumbar vertebrae is fused onto the pelvis. Just the way they're born? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, well, it's, so this is... Uh, so I work a lot with a chiropractor from Blue Tree Clinic, uh, Dr. Naveen. And uh, she was saying that sometimes it just fuses over time, but more often than not, it fuses even just from birth. But it's like so with, with one client, it causes this kind of huge nerve impingement that he wasn't aware of but when i first started working with him his right his left leg 
was about probably an inch and a half bigger in circumference than his left one. His what? Like, his left leg is bigger than his right. Yeah, by like by substantially, like you could see it. Okay, you know, and he never knew why. And he used to muscle get wise or bone wise. Sorry, muscle tone. Yeah, yeah, both. Yeah. But like, so he was just kind of getting more activation out of his left than his right, whatever it was I said originally. But then I've seen it more and more now when other clients are coming with their MRI reports. It's like, yeah, yeah, my spine is fused to my hip. Or some people's SI joint has almost become calcified, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's almost, and then when I was chatting with a chiropractor about it, she's sort of speculating, saying that it is like almost the next stage of uh, Of evolution evolution of a sort. Just people sitting down for too long, their Mm. bodies are adapting to it. Like shoulders now, or like the amount of clients I have with a fatty hump over their C7. yeah turning into a hunchback sort of look that's crazy common i see it with everybody now like coming yeah, in there just at the base slope. of their neck at the back yeah um, so you think like what we'll all look like is you know assuming we're not cyborgs and kind of crazy computer people i think that will split i think there'll be people who will continue to be genetic freaks and athletic and superior in movement and power and performance and then there'll be people who will be uh more desk orientated sedentary overweight epigenetics will begin to change in those and we'll start having two very different types of human or, or two or even three i think that i was thinking about that exact thing a few days ago but where you see some people now who are so ridiculously smart and then there's some people who just had there's like zero education like as as the whole kind of tech thing increases right the barrier to entry for work is going to get higher and higher and higher so you're probably going to get this like complete split at some point yeah. whereas like there's just going to be this kind of class of people that it's just you're just so you've you've not been able to catch up and we're like we're probably going to be included in that you know like it's going to be these silicon valley ultra hyper yeah yeah i was thinking it sort of already happened is there is elite people in the finance world that are so intelligent but the gap is just going to be crazy but then you also get and i remember thinking about the other day just because i was watching this uh this uh, one of the indian laborer guys just squatting down and picking something up that was way like he had no business picking it up. Yeah. Like he looked skinny as hell, but he just lifted it and it was like nothing. Were you there? Were you there the day we, in our old job, we moved gyms. We packed up the old gym and yeah, transported yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. So we were watching, we were, we were sort of in this small space, clearing up all the kit and a lot of the heavy, like lap pull down machines needed to be dismantled. So we were helping the guys dismantle them and then they were carrying them down the stairs and putting them in a truck but the stack of weights that you take off, when you take off those plates that are on the machine, like they're super heavy. You have to take them in four or five bundles. And we were just sitting down, I think, having some lunch at the time. And this guy came in. They were putting them into a little plastic box and carrying them downstairs. And we were putting like five in a box at the time, which was just, just enough that they could carry. He picks it up and put it on his shoulder. And then as he stood up, the lid fell. So he stood up, he did one, he had the weight stacked on one shoulder in a full depth squat and he stood up and then the lid slid off the box and landed on the floor. And then he just just lowered himself all the way back down into a perfect squat position, picked up with his other hand, put it on top and then stood up again. Yeah. And it's just, it just stopped staring at me. I was like, <laughs> did you boys just see that? Like, how did he, this is a guy who has no meat on him. Yeah. And he's just dominated that twice. So you're going to have this crazy intelligent, kind of hyper tech group of people and then you're gonna have this kind of crazy strong kind of laborer type you know almost like ants i mean it, the whole thing like it always gets a bit sketchy when you start talking about it because that's kind of eugenics and all this sort of thing and it has that weird tinge of it but it's almost just going to happen as like a product of just things becoming you're gonna have to become so specialized to find your way in the world i think yeah yeah you're gonna have to make yourself invaluable yeah. In, in a way, well, I, I don't think there's anything too wrong with that as long as uh, everybody sort of values that I'm good at one thing, but I need 10 people who are good at 10 things to help me. Yeah. And then everyone just somehow gels together instead of some people going, I'm good at nothing and I need 10 people to help me do everything, but I'm not good at anything and I don't have a place, but I don't care. Yeah, Jordan Peterson, talks, he, I've been watching loads of his lectures and he, he has a whole lecture just more or less talking about that fact, how it's going to be so difficult as it get over even like in the next 10 years if you don't have a decent iq like just what's a decent iq i don't know what my iq is i've never it's been years since i've done that. i've never done a thing um i've got i've bought jordan peterson's book but i've not started it yet um but yeah so but as in basically if you don't have an iq what was the breakdown he gave something like if you don't have an iq above the average of 100 
but even like when you start getting to like the whole tech thing and like the the rate at which jobs are becoming automated and kind of unnecessary unless you're then part of that whole crowd it's going to be even harder as well so as we're saying like you're going to get this sort of big split but yeah, yeah i don't know if it's necessarily a good thing I've, I've read a couple of sort of books where they played on that whole notion of like you know the fiction books but played on the whole notion of like these very rigid class systems because people are hyper intelligent or whatever else and they always paint kind of a dark sort of picture of the world in that sort of instance well look despite the split in intelligence without going down this track look who's president of the u.s like, oh yeah <laughs> and the, the the people on his team i don't know i've never met a whole group of people who are democrat or republican but they appear to be uh, accused of being the lesser intelligence but they have a man in the lead do you know yeah so well because there's still going to be a huge amount of people who are still part yeah. of that whole class in which case there's still weight behind yeah their well, decisions that, and, that's it i mean it's it's uh they've elected their guy almost on top so <laughs> that's compacting to split yeah. to one sense it's not like there's an elite Elon Musk in charge of the world and now he's he's taking people to a better level um, but now one thing you were saying a few minutes ago that I kind of I was only talking about on the radio last week about when you start with clients and they come in with their goals of A, B and C and then they realize oh yeah my back's a little sore my knee's a little sore like we were discussing the aging process mm -hmm. and how you would train somebody who's slightly older or than, than kind of the young guys or girls but one of the things is that beyond beyond a certain age i don't know if there is an actual number but people don't consider themselves injured but they all have a pain yeah you know they all have an issue where uh my back or that that i'm good for the first couple of months but then once we start applying a little bit of load or a little bit of a little bit more consistency they start to highlight a little bit of a tricky knee or a tricky shoulder and then you realize yeah i've always had this sort of shoulder i've just got on with it so everything sort of begins to take a rehab uh, approach, but it's mixed in with the gym, so it doesn't feel so laborious and so monotonous. But I think that's very important when people are uh, are starting training programs is that, well, they're not injured. They have to fix some stuff. Yeah, they're not injured yet. Yeah, they're not injured, but they're a, they're a victim of their posture, and their posture is adapted because they've been sitting or they've been not moving whether they've been walking around at work whatever they've not been rotating they've not been bending to the side they've not been going all the way down to the floor um but i think that's what age is like i, I always find it funny when uh, people over the age of 55 get classed as a special population it's like man and people say like yeah i've got these aches and pains it's like ah, i'm getting older and it's like Nah, yeah. nah, you just haven't been moving. You yeah. haven't been using your body as it should. I, yeah. I think what we consider to be age is just wear and tear of doing a lot of things that haven't probably been that good for you. Do you know? I mean, obviously, there's like, okay, you can see the wrinkling of the skin. You can see like all these kind of this accumulation of inflammation and free radical stuff. But again, I, I'd imagine that if we were to sort of go back in time and you were to see guys like Plato and stuff who lived to their like 90 they're still completely with it and they're still sort of moving around. And I mean, I'm sure that lots of people had diseases and all sorts of things, but I think that a lot of what we consider to be the signs of aging are just the body in disuse for a long period of time. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, like we were talking about the difference between your physiological age and your chronological age, like your chronological age being the amount of time between now and when you were born, that's your age. So I'm, I've just, turn 33 boom that's my age but what's my physiological age like what while there's no true representation of a perfect 33 year old like there's a certain amount of physiological aging that you get with your chronological age normally where your st your cells just slow down with their yeah. splitting your testosterone reduces but mainly just that cell the chromosome the the telomeres at the end of the cell chromosomes have to undergo a process of splitting and when they split they forget a little bit when they split again they, f they leave a little bit when they, they forget a little bit and it's like go on and go on and then all of a sudden that cell can't replicate itself anymore so the cell stops that's the kind of chronological aging but you can inhibit that like that doesn't yeah you can happen, you can prolong that for sure but it's good but it will happen at some point like and i think that's where you get like the, the wrinkling and the whatever but you can you can prolong that so the wrinkling will come at the same but your body is fluid you're moving do you know you might have a little wrinkle across your forehead or you might have a little wrinkle on your cheek but you're still running 
every day you're still like involved how many old people do you see who are really good at stuff yeah for sure do you know their 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 chronological ages some of the cells have reduced but because they're moving they're pumping energy into that cell and they're keeping that cell young they're completing they're creating new cells all the time um and i think that's a big issue that people present because we i used to train um an elderly woman a couple of years ago here and i remember thinking right she just she doesn't need to lift weights she doesn't need to do a lot she just needs to be able to kind of coordinate she had a little bit of back pain but i knew we could fix that with some movement but she just needs to move we need to get her balance back so she walking around the mall and she trips she can catch herself without falling flat breaking her wrist or breaking her hip so this is where we're going to train balance main thing then we'll see her after that so I trained her a certain way and everything improved quite nicely. And then I started to see like a 45-year-old or a 50-year-old office guy. And I would begin with him the same way. And I suddenly realized, oh, he's not balanced at all. He's not coordinated at all. Okay, let's do some of these movement drills. Let's do this. And he responded really well. His, mentally, he loved it because he wasn't expecting to – he was expecting to be beasted. He was expecting to be doing weights and burpees and stuff. Sure. But I realized, right, I actually – I can't even go near them. Even if I wanted to, right now – he needs to fix uh, basically i need to train him like he's 65 yeah um even though he's 52 because we need to fix all these That's things some 30 year olds you need to do that that's with. exactly my point and now the older the more i'm doing it that's where i'll start people and i'll see oh you're one of them i'm so, i'm amazed you have no balance like i'm not saying this to them yeah but they're moving through a movement drill or they're doing some lunges and rotating and they can't even do a lunge because, because they can't balance because they have no coordination to control their knees and their ankles so now i'm seeing okay so while you told me in the thing at the start that you're 39 if i look at you you haven't moved in eight years since you got your new job or since you moved over here or since you got married and you had your kids so you're probably about 50 deep down so we now have to train you like and that's where the rehab stuff creeps in it looks like we're doing core or back rehab but i'm actually just trying to get that back moving again through the through ranges that you haven't moved before and then it, it's the same process or a similar process to as if someone's coming out of a back operation. We need to get you moving. Yeah. So I think um, it's one of the things that I would tell people, like, well, you might be young and fit now. Like, your body's aging. While you're at your desk, your body is aging. There's no way around it. How can you prolong that? So that while you might be 30 now or 35 now, great. But when you get to 40, are you going to be 45 deep down? And when you get to 45, are you going to be 55? When you get to 55, 50 or 55, are you going to be 60, 65? And then what quality of life have you got? So you need to bounce around now, move around and prolong that. Yeah, not just for the sake of your physical health, like your mental health as well. Um, because all the while when you're learning that coordination and you're learning all these new skills, like your, your body's basically kind of kick-starting your immune system all those cells are flooding into your brain. And from that process, they're spitting out all these proteins that are forming new neurons and synapses. And so you're, you're quite literally yeah. uh, growing. Like when we talk about growth as a person, like that's kind of a literal thing as well yeah. as a metaphysical thing. But what you'll then find, and this is, so I'm starting this master's in uh, May in psychology. And I'm already thinking about what I want to research because I've been thinking about this stuff for a while now, like years that whenever you see somebody really get into training, and this was true for me, and I'm pretty sure it's true for you guys as well, like Chris and Nick, is that when you start to see that improvement, I, I don't know if it's a case of you just, you just start seeing all this kind of self-improvement so you want to take that further, or if there's like a physiological thing there that because you're learning lots of different movements, because you're getting all this like increased sort of neuron growth in your brain, you're then starting to come alive a little bit more and you, you start to explore other things as well. Like you start to read more or you start to take up new hobbies and things. And that's something that I want to try and research. So saying like, okay, can exercise be like a pathway into sort of other avenues? Like does that literally increase your desire to explore the world, like explore, like explore new territories and things? Because the, the research that I read would seem to say that it does. That you, when you get this increase in sort of neurons and things like that because okay I'll, I'll preface this with a, a little study that i read when you when you just have a normal mouse or a rat or whatever else it's kind of normal normal whatever way that is whatever's normal for mice they will freely explore new places and they'll they'll kind of just go around trying to figure stuff out and explore and sort of make sense of the world around them when you chronically stress them or even acutely stress them they'll hide like they'll stay in one place they, they won't go out 
you know, despite the fact there might be food there or whatever. And so I reckon that that's the same thing with people. Like when you see people who are stressed, they tend to withdraw from the world and they tend to like stay like, uh, no, I don't have time. I don't um, to, you know, I don't want to have to go out to the gym. I don't want to have to go out with friends. I'm tired. I'm, you know, you get this sort of lethargic thing. Whereas when you take them outside of that and you start, okay, let's do some exercise. Let's kind of train you. All right. Now, particularly in semi-private where now they're meeting new people, like you're almost forcing it as a consequence of them being in the gym. You see it, or at least I see it with a lot of clients where they then start engaging a bit more. They're more inclined to come back again. And you see that in research with like membership retention. If you can get somebody into the gym, a minimum of once a week for the first month, it's something like they're now 50% more likely to stay for the next two years or whatever it is. And so I think that there's a real sort of physiological thing behind that. Like if you learn new things and you explore new things, you're then more likely to continue on exploring new things, right? Activity begets activity. Yeah, that comes, there's a lot of the kind of, that's a stimulating brain cells, stimulating kind of your, your um, like you touched on your neurons and your synapses, like making them more excitable, you know, putting new signals into them, whether it's learning. Just making new ones, though. Yeah, yeah, whether, yeah, yeah, like powering movement at your ankle sends a signal all the way through your, and I'm sort of fascinated now by this nervous system stuff. So I would, I, I think you're totally correct, like, but I would look at it in a, in a neurophys way as well. Like moving your ankle left and right or in a new pattern that's a bit difficult. Like if you just really slowly circle your ankle around and around and you feel it twitch and, jo- and, and drop and kind of it's not perfectly smooth. You get that smooth, the signal is moving from the ankle all the way to the brain, where now it's creating a new map of the, that joint in the brain. So you've changed your brain tissue just by moving. So you've improved your brain tissue. The brain tissue now is a more uh, clear, kind of conductive, accurate couple of cells. And then there's a lot of, well, the rule, I, I haven't really read, I'm only re- repeating what I've been told, areas that fire together, wire together. So yeah. parts of the brain are right beside each other and there's different parts that look after different things. So when you begin to move, you nourish the brain and that brain cells nourishes the cells either side of it. So where you have your learning cells, where you have your, your happy cells, where you have your uh, language, your problem solving, you know, all these things lie very close to parts of the brain that are responsible for understanding joint movements and, and joint pressures and things. So you can stimulate those aspects of your brain through movement it's yeah. not it's not straight away because you have to undo all the stuff that you've imprinted on it over the previous few years or whatever but yeah i'm uh what do you think you're going to do with your psychology like what's the what avenue would you take to research that how would you do it well i mean it's difficult because the problem with like psychology is that it's it's not like well so for instance with our like physiological stuff or whatever else you can go in take a blood test or you you sort of use very easily quantifiable measures where in psychology it not always the case obviously they do loads of blood tests all the time but being that i'm doing a distance learning thing i'm not gonna have access to that so it's gonna have to be sort of like questionnaire based but i think what i'll do is i'll just i'll see like i'll i'll try and find loads of people and loads of our clients who have just started training and maybe i'll like observe them for a month and then i'll give them a question and be like what else did you change then as a result of your exercising like did you find that you read more or did you find that you ended up spending more time outdoors like or traveling or do you know what i mean like yeah trying to find these little markers of exploration what new stuff did you do um i'm still trying to hash it out i mean the long term would be just like you know i've, I've been reading about sort of stress and studying it for years now and i'd like to kind of get in there and yeah. I have this model in my mind, which I've posted up on Instagram a few times, like the dude in the center and then kind of these different classifications of stress. So you're coming from homeostasis and not, you know, your body's just in constant flux and it's okay to like a little bit of stress and you cause a bit of adaptation and then a lot of adaptation. And then there's this overstress point mm-hmm. where you just get fried. But that general adaptive response is true of just about all stimuli. So I'd like to, like you know if i was to take this into a phd just get a series of studies together is okay what happened when you uh so for instance if you're exercising for say a month okay what else changed so did you end up exploring new things whatever else okay what if we 
put you in like heat therapy? What if we put you in like a sauna for like an hour every couple of days? Will we then see that the same effect? Because the research would say that you have this general response to both. So to the extent that heat therapy has almost been shown to be kind of an adequate substitute for exercise. Like if you can't exercise, like really stress yourself out with heat. Stress yourself out with heat, yeah. Yeah. Um, And there was like a big kind of classic study done called the Finnish sauna study where they found that people in Finland who typically go into saunas all the time, like it's part of their homes and things like that, they have like a 65% decrease in Alzheimer's risk. Wow. Which is gigantic. (laughs) So, but then let's see, okay, if you were doing that, all right, let's find people who have just started like sauna therapy. Okay, what then happened after like a month of that? Did you find that you read more? Did you find that you were sort of happier? Did you find that you were more engaged with the world? You're trying to differentiate correlation and causation. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Or just seeing is this, uh, what avenues could we use to get people out of their funk? Like to get people out of their anxiety and depression. And, And just, like okay could we do the same thing with like electricity say you know or uh what do you mean electricity also electricity is again the same thing um when you stress somebody out through any means really you end up with this sort of general adaptive response um and that was a lot of research done back in the 60s uh so you're asking at the start like what books have i read lately there's one called the body electric which was kind of a controversial book but it was basically this guy uh robert becker back in the 60s and 50s he did a lot of work uh with electrical stimulation no i don't mean in the sense of like those old school sort of 60s you know ab crunch electrical like but as in a literally attaching electrical current to bone and he was able to sort of reform collagen and form it in uh it basically almost switching on the body's own healing capacity or healing ability. And he, his whole theory was that uh, like salamanders and frogs and stuff, their ability to regenerate, you could, man, I don't want to get this wrong, but it's been a while since I read it. I finished it. Like it took me ages to read it. Just because I was sort of doing a few pages here and there, but he was, I think the argument he's trying to make was there's when you, let's say you cut off a salamander's leg. Okay. And then you stick it like a, what do they use to measure electricity? A voltmeter. Yeah, stick a voltmeter on it. A certain electric current, and he called it the uh, current of injury. So their their electrical current would change while it's going through this regenerative process. And then I think he was basically trying to, okay, well, if we use that current and stick it onto a human bone, could we also see sort of the same things? And he had a lot of research that seemed to indicate that you could. almost test on that? Uh, just, people who were in like there was like their last resort like oh, he's quite ethical about like he's like i'm not gonna even mess with this unless there is no hope for you okay. through any other means but he found like some sort of regressions in cancers and things because he speculated that you could de-differentiate cells so you'd have a certain cancer cell they put an electrical current through it you would disrupt the cell but then also then more or less cause it to kind of re um kind of reform into a cell as it should be. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He got slammed for a lot of this. He found loads of research. Some people were like, yep, this is, this is legit. We've retested it. But other people, and it kind of then turns into this conspiracy thing. Because obviously based on a lot of the electrical stuff that he did, this was at a time where things like TVs and phones and stuff were coming out. And so a lot of that research that seemed to indicate that mobile phones would cause cancer, a lot of it was his sort of stuff. Right, okay. And so he found that... Uh, and he ended up getting to loads of political sort of uh, turmoil over it because he was trying to basically halt all of these power lines going up through places like New York and things. Because like, look, we've shown that it can cause cancer and mice and things. We can produce tumors and things like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but so, okay, the, back to the thing. So then let's say we put you through electrical stimulation. Like let's say that you can't exercise. Like for whatever reason, you've got some crazy disability. What if we electrically stimulated you? Could that cause some sort of adaptive effect and then again is that an avenue into exploring other avenues of your life or self-improvement and i reckon it definitely is i reckon because i reckon this might have already been done like this is just me speculating now but well if I it is get... if it is done i just ping over there if anyone's out there who has google at their fingertips send that something over to my help them out i think that's awesome i'll be really looking forward to seeing how you do that how long will it take for to do the whole thing two years uh if it's just one module at a time i think it takes more or less three years but you can do it at an accelerated rate you just buy in like two modules or three modules at a time how many modules do you have to do 
uh, there's like seven total, and then obviously the big dissertation at the end. Oh, and for and PhD, did you say? Or master? Well, so this is a conversion master. So uh, the way psychology works is you can do, normally the route would be like you go into an undergrad and then you do a postgrad and then you go into doctoral school and there's this kind of nice clear avenue. But obviously if you don't have an undergrad in it. In psychology particularly. Yeah, they, okay. they have these master's conversion courses. So basically it's going to, in a, three years, we're going to just teach you everything that you were supposed to know at undergrad. Okay. And then it's recognized by people like the British Psychological Association. And so you can then apply and go down the route of doing a PhD in psychology and becoming like a clinical psychologist or whatever else. Ah, I see. I see what you're saying. Cool. So it was one of those things where it's like, I'm, I'm at a point of talking about it where so it's much. like, it's, I can't, I don't have any credibility or authority to I take see. this any further talking about psychology stuff because I've, I have no grounding in it. So I was like, yeah. sod it. Let's just do it. And let's just, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. I understand that. I've been thinking about doing matches as well, but I've got, I can't bear the thought of exams and dissertations and like yeah oh, I, I don't know but it's something i think eventually you need to keep going don't you like we were just talking about you need to stimulate your brain you need to keep powering through if you want to stay young yeah never stop you got like the idea learning. that the school and stuff is for when you're like in your late teens and early 20s that forget it just just keep learning stuff imagine they took out geography and taught psychology and then took out like math like parts of maths and put in tax system and account. yeah well yeah that stuff like how to buy a house yeah you know just a little <laughs> class on uh this is how the world actually works yeah so don't but that's what they're doing in scandinavia watch. right or was it finland well, they've changed their the way they teach courses now so you learn math by here you are a retail person and somebody comes to you with change or here's like an accountancy thing so it's like learning math directly through, through in a way world. that you would use it yeah. and uh you're going to learn sociology at the same time working in your you know, cafeteria. Here's how you deal with people in psychology. Like here's why people are the way they are. And it's all done through the idea of like job scenarios. Too, yeah. That's which good. is really smart. It's better than the way we learned to sit on wooden chairs in a square room, looking at a chalkboard. Yeah. Algebra. And like, it's like, why are we learning this? Oh, because you have to. Like, yeah. Oh, so inspiring. I equals minus one. Yeah. What? Yeah. What are you talking about? Why do I need this? Yeah. I don't know what I. That's not what I use. Um, anyway, okay, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there. Um, do you have anything else you want to add? Do you have anything coming up that you want to you want to talk about? Uh, no, other than I might be starting to do some workshops for these guys who are coming off the level three, where we're going to look at hopefully other aspects that they won't learn in. PT school so things like coaching skills like how do you how do you coach somebody to do a movement what different ways and what are the advantages and disadvantages of those different ways of teaching somebody a skill and even just something like the business of PT so cool. we'll uh, we'll when I've got that figured out we'll ping up some stuff and yeah, nice. start advertising that so yeah cool and if anybody wants to quit their office job and, and become a PT speak to Matt <laughs> he'll tell you where to go okay Done. cool all right, we'll wrap it up there, and we'll see you guys another time. See you. Bye.